is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth where a great confrontation has been uh, shaping up just moments ago. We're going to go to it directly and live. A confrontation between Senator Ted Cruz of Texas and the nominee for Supreme Court, Katanji Brown Jackson. Let's listen. Uh, they're talking about a sentencing of a... Uh, a convicted criminal named Chazen, who uh, Ted Cruz believes got an unfairly lenient sentence from Judge Jackson. Listen. Because it contains sadomasochistic images of infants and toddlers. I'm trying to understand how you see someone that possesses images of infants and toddlers being sexually violated and you sentence them to 64 percent below what the prosecutor is asking for you you don't provide a justification other than a generic concern that the guidelines are too high you don't provide a justification as required by statute so i'm asking you to take the opportunity to explain to this committee and the american people why in a hundred percent of the cases you have people with vile crimes, and you have language saying they're vile crimes. But then you sentence them to very, very low sentences. And, and why do you consistently, 100% of the time, choose to do that? Senator, no one case can stand in for a judge's entire sentencing record. I've sentenced more than 100 people. You have eight or nine cases. Okay. in that chart okay judge you said that before the, these are the eight or nine child porn cases i will say to correct the record i, I just say about. to the judge there's no point in responding he's going to interrupt you I, thank I, you look i appreciate the chairman trying to filibuster and if you don't like your witnesses answers you're, you're welcome to provide your own uh, she, she is declining to answer the question and and chairman durbin if you want to join her on the on the on the bench you can but I, chairman durbin uh, my job is to make chairman sure durbin i'm not interrupting your questioning I'm and, asking you to give her a chance to answer. But she's consistently said she's not going to answer. I want to clarify for the record, by the way, the case I was discussing was Cooper and not Chazen. Uh, but Chazen is... Uh, the case that I was reading from your transcript was Cooper, but Chazen... All right, let's get to Chazen. I pulled the wrong tab. Uh, Chazen is equally horrifying. And, and you say in Chazen, this is something Senator Graham asked you. So the guidelines lay out different enhancements and and you say repeatedly and this is true in all your cases you say you disagree with the guidelines you think they're wrong and the two guidelines you disagree with is one there's an enhancement for use of a computer and you say the world has changed and now all of these are on a computer and I understand that I don't agree with you but I understand that that is a understandable thing to say but the second thing you say over and over again is there's an enhancement for the number of images and you say repeatedly, for example, in, in Chazen, you say, whatever the state of the law and technology at the time of the guidelines were first adapted, neither the use of the computer nor the number of images are especially aggravating factors today. Now, I find that bizarre. And you say it in, in every case. You say the number of images, it's not an aggravating factor, it doesn't matter, and you won't apply the enhancement. Do you really believe that, that a predator that has hundreds or thousands of images of hundreds or thousands of children being sexually violated has not committed an offense that, that is more serious than someone that has a single picture of a single child? A single picture of a single child is horrifying. But hundreds of children that have been violated, do you really believe that is not a more serious offense? 
Senator, I did not have any cases involving hundreds of thousands of pictures. No, no, I said hundreds or thousands. You had, you had cases involving hundreds and you had cases involving thousands. You're right, you didn't have hundreds of thousands. And I also applied an enhancement, just not to the degree of the guidelines. You're so right. I, it's a, it's a five-point enhancement under the guidelines. You provide two. Yes, so um, not zero, okay, not, right, not the but, suggestion but, that but I did. But are you suggesting the number of images doesn't matter? Because you say it in court over and over again that the number of images doesn't reflect that it's a more serious crime. Do, do you really believe that? Senator, as I said to Senator Graham, the court is taking into account a number of circumstances. The commission has done a report about the operation of the guidelines, which enhancements actually reflect uh, different levels of culpability. With so respect let, me to let me ask you this, Judge. You've said the purpose of sentencing is to distinguish and distinguish between crimes that are not as serious from, from truly egregious crimes. Is, is, is that right? No, Senator. So, so what is the purpose of sentencing if it's not to distinguish from less serious crimes from truly egregious crimes? It is to assign proportional punishment. It is to do justice in cases where you have defendants who are convicted of the same conduct but have different differing levels of culpability. Well, I will point out that you have a pattern. It doesn't matter how egregious the case is. Senator Hawley talked about the Hawkins case where you had an 18-year-old with pictures of boys as young as eight being sexually assaulted and raped and you sentenced him to just three months in jail. And I will point out the Stewart case, the last one on this list because we're running out of time. The Stewart case, you describe that he had over 6,700 images and videos. So that's a lot, 6,700. That's a lot of kids time being sexually time. assaulted. You have taken over a minute of my time, Mr. Chairman. So, you, so You've been given extra time. You usually ask for it. You're given it. Okay, I, I know you want to interrupt. I know you don't I like this line of play. I just want you to play by the rules. I, I know you like to interrupt, but I you've like consumed you a substantial question of my uh, time of my questioning, and I'm, I'm going to ask my questions, and, and you can, if Senator, you want to testify, you're welcome to. Senator, Judge, you play by the same rules in as the every other senator. In the Stewart case, you said from the bench, thus, although this is not necessarily an, an atypical case, your child pornography possession crime was egregious in the court's view. Okay, so this is a bad one. If you're actually sentencing defendants, you said this was egregious. What did you sentence Stewart for? The guidelines said 9,721 months. Prosecutor said 97 months. You said it's egregious, 6,700 images. You come in with 57 Time months. Time has expired. Why Senators, you two minutes over the allotted. 57 months in the Stewart case. Do you want to address that? Because you're claiming it's cherry picking. In fact, you're welcome to explain any of these cases, but let's take the Stewart case. Why Coons, did you sentence him for half the amount? You're not recognized, Senator. Senator if, Coons. Do you not want her to answer that question? You wouldn't allow her any. M Mr. Chairman, she may answer the question. I've asked her why she sentenced Stewart. You've gone over the time, Senator, by two minutes. Why she? And a half. Because you've interrupted me for two minutes, Mr. Chairman. Will you allow her to answer the question, or do you not want the American people to hear <laughs> why, with someone she described as well, an egregious? You know, there comes a point, Senator, where you get a little bit. Chairman Durbin, hand. will you allow her to answer the question? You won't allow her to answer. I, the I, I will happily allow her to. The question is Senator, why you, thank you sentenced Stewart, an egregious child pornography possessor. So, to, to half of the amount Please, requested by the prosecutor. Please, Senator.
Will you allow her to answer the question, Chairman Durbin? Senator Coons. Why are you not allowing her to answer the question? There's You're not another the senator here that you've not allowed her to answer the question. I'm not asking another question, but allow her to answer the question, Chairman Durbin. Thank you, Chairman Durbin. Why do you not want the American people to know what happened in the Stewart case or any of these cases? Chairman Durbin, I've never seen the chairman refuse to allow a witness to answer a question. You can bang it as loud as you want. Well, I can just tell you, at some point, you have to follow the rules. Okay, well, you let her answer the question. You've, you've been uh, interrupting, me? and by the way, with Senator Graham, it went 10 minutes over. You've sure taken did. a big chunk of the time. Will you allow her to answer the question? You've given her Why no are you afraid of her? She's welcome to answer it right now. Will you let her? Senator Coons. Will you let, so no, you don't want her to answer the question? Senator Coons. Will you let her answer Thank the question? Chairman Durbin. Apparently, Judge we're Judge. very afraid of the American people hearing the answer to that question. We here in the Senate, in this committee today, are in the middle of a policy fight. It's my understanding that across this nation, more than 70% of district court judges who impose sentences in cases such as the ones that have been so vigorously debated here. This is unreal. Um, a, <laughs> a Ted Cruz, uh, passionate and uh, dominant, and uh, uh, Dick Durbin, the senator from uh, Illinois, who is chair of this committee. Uh, we are headed into a, um, obviously, what is going to become a major issue in this confirmation. We will be right back on the MedVed Show. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, they have finally uh, moved on. Uh, Dick Durbin, uh, the senator from Illinois, uh, chairing the committee on the judiciary in the U.S. Senate, I think did a terrible disservice to uh, Judge Jackson. Uh, I mean, clearly, Ted Cruz had his own agenda. And I do believe that part of that agenda is not only to discredit uh Judge Jackson, but uh, but also to advance his own political prospects. And one of the things that he showed, and as somebody who who talks for a living, and I do, uh, what he showed is what a formidable debater he is. Why, when he was in high school, he was a national champion debater. The fascinating thing is, so was uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson. They were both in the National Forensics League. They both were nationally ranked debaters. And they actually went to law school together at Harvard. And they've apparently spoken about that. Uh, not that they were study partners or buds or anything like that. And I think the uh, chances for some friendship or warm relationship between uh, Judge Jackson and Senator Cruz are probably dim. The The one thing that, that strikes me is I understand what uh, Chairman Durbin was trying to do, but given the fact that uh, Ted Cruz was determined to risk the appearance of rudeness to continue his uh, probing question on the Stewart case and the Chazen case and these individual cases from years ago where... Uh, look, I think it's perfectly reasonable 
for uh, Judge Jackson to say that she didn't remember her specific thought processes on any of these sentencing cases. The one thing that, frankly, no one has brought up, and I think it's the most important thing here, is is there any evidence uh, about these condemned sex offenders, and particularly uh, Senator Cruz was focusing, as Senator Hawley was, on people who were uh, sentenced, went to prison, they did not escape jail, they went to prison for uh, child pornography cases. Is there any evidence that upon release, any of these people who were sentenced by Judge Jackson then reoffended? Because, again, child pornography, and one of the reasons that I do think that that the sentences, if anything, do tend to be too light, is that there is a a fair body of evidence that shows that this is a crime that really is a compulsion and that many people who receive sentences go to prison then reoffend. There are also people who put their lives together and and live in the uh in the real world, in the straight world, in the law-abiding world, putting this disgusting crime, this horrible crime, in their past. Now, the question is, with these cases, and again, I don't think anybody researched it on either side. They should have. And certainly anticipating, in the course of these hearings, Senator Hawley of Missouri originally brought this up, and the right thing for Judge Jackson to have done, or her supporters, or for people, and certainly, uh, I don't think there's any question that Dick Durbin has been playing the role of one of her supporters. They should have gone ahead and looked up what happened to these people, because these are not just little names on a billboard somewhere or on a bulletin board. They're not just subjects of a political ad or a future political hit piece. They're real people. And it's entirely possible, and this, I think, would actually endanger her nomination. It's that serious. If it turns out that one of these people who got a relatively less than the recommendation of prosecutors, less than the standards of uh, the general sentencing, of one of these people who got a relatively light sentence that uh, was granted by the Sentencing Commission and um, by Judge Jackson and her colleagues, if one of those people was then released and then reoffended and continued to uh, be involved in the extraordinarily evil world of child pornography, if that happened and she didn't come prepared to explain it or address it, I think it would be very serious. Now. If, on the other hand, uh, the the sentencing and the conviction seemed to work and allow someone to pay a debt to society and uh, then to get back to normal life uh, and law-abiding life, that, that would be a very different situation. The problem here, of course, is that all of the details and the level of sentencing and how many months and uh, who's what which is the case and which is the it it all goes across as a blur because uh, Senator Cruz speaks very forcefully he also has the great advantage of giving a lot of material in because he speaks quickly 
But it's very difficult if you don't have documents in front of you to keep it all straight. And I'm afraid that there are many people listening to this who will simply feel sympathy for uh, what sounds like browbeating and attacking a, a lady who, um, uh, by the way, has impressed a, a number of people as surprisingly conservative. There's an interesting piece that I was going to bring up uh, by Jeffrey Tubin. Remember him? And Jeffrey Tubin apparently was not distracted by anything else that he was doing privately while, while he wrote this or while he watched the... Uh, uh, that's a little bit of a reference to more uh, off-color activity. But Jeffrey Tubin, legal analyst for CNN and the author of The Nine and The Oath, which are books uh, about the Supreme Court, he uh, he just did a, an opinion piece, just did, uh, entitled Jackson is Handing Conservatives One Key Victory. And he writes that Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson is likely to be confirmed as a justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. I think that's still true. But her confirmation hearing demonstrates how conservatives are winning the ideological war over the Constitution. Uh, she, um, she has spoken of the limited role of the judiciary and her desire to, quote, stay in her lane as a judge rather than as a legislator. Jackson has said further that she begins her analysis of the Constitution and laws always with the text. She has gone out of her way not to embrace belief in a living Constitution, an interpretive method based on the idea that the meaning of the Constitution must be seen uh, in light of the changing conditions in society at large. To people versed in the history of constitutional debates, these terms may seem uncontroversial, even generic. But they come with a lot of baggage. And what he's saying is she has indicated she is closer to originalism than you would imagine from a uh, Democratic nominee to the court. We will be right back on The Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. MichaelMedved.com Michael Medved show, uh, there was some other news made, and it's actually very important, uh, more important to the future of the Supreme Court and the future of understanding the Constitution of the United States than this debate about how many months a sentence various offenders would receive for crimes of child pornography. A question on day three, that's today, of her confirmation hearing, Katanji Brown-Jackson told the Senate Judiciary Committee she would recuse herself from a case examining the role that race can play in college admissions. Uh, Jackson serves on Harvard's Board of Overseers. The Supreme Court will hear the affirmative action challenges to policies at Harvard and the University of North Carolina in the term that begins in October. Now, this is not any kind of uh, concession or revelation that suggests that uh, Katanji Brown uh, Jackson in any way benefited uh, 
from affirmative action in her admission to Harvard College where she graduated magna cum laude or, or to uh, her admission to Harvard Law School. It's not that. The Harvard Board of Overseers is, and the, the reason I know about it is equivalent to the Yale Corporation. That's what they call it. That's the Board of Directors. And as you can imagine, given the number of very prominent, very wealthy, very successful alumni of Harvard University, either in the graduate schools or professional schools like the law school or uh, the uh, undergraduate program, that given how many wealthy, powerful people there are who graduate from a school like that, uh, being asked to join the Board of Overseers is a very, very big deal. And uh, it's obviously not a post that she wants to give up. And she's entirely correct and good for those who pose the question. She's entirely correct that it's appropriate for her to recuse herself. In other words, if there's a company that uh, is involved in a court case and you continue as a member of the board of directors of such a company, even if it's a nonprofit institution, and Harvard, by the way, at least technically with its, what is it, a $20 billion endowment, that uh, it's a nonprofit. It's a university. But she still has a stake to that university, and it's appropriate that she recuse herself from a, a, any case, not just one involving affirmative action, but any case in which Harvard is involved. Either that or she resigns from the Board of Overseers which I don't think she would want to do. This is, tends to be a, a long, very long-term appointment, usually lifetime for people. And, uh, okay, so she answered she would recuse herself. Now, what does that mean? It is largely speculated that, uh, that Harvard and the University of North Carolina, which are both facing uh, this same case that uh, will be... Uh, brought up in the term that begins in October, so it's coming right up, it's uh, widely speculated that uh, the Supreme Court will follow up on the Bollinger decision that involved the University of Michigan uh, a couple of decades ago, actually, that, uh, they will, that they will revise that and will put some restrictions on the use of race as a basis for admission. And that was largely assumed to be the case because of the opinions that have been expressed by a majority of the justices, the so-called six conservative justices who dominate the court. Now, with uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson now saying she'll recuse herself, that makes it even more likely that we are going to be moving past our uh, experiment in uh, affirmative action, and particularly where it regards university admission. What's fascinating about that is that one of the key decisions in that previous University of Michigan case was written by Sandra Day O'Connor. And Justice uh, O'Connor, who of course was appointed by President Reagan, the first woman appointed to the Supreme Court, what Justice O'Connor said in that decision was that um, there must be a time when affirmative action, which was supposed to be a corrective for years and years of discrimination, 
had done its corrective purposes, had brought university admission into a more equal basis, and uh, and what was fascinating is she predicted that, yes, uh, at a certain time, perhaps 25 years from now, we will be uh, able to do without affirmative action of any kind, and we're just about at that point that she predicted, so it should be fascinating. Uh, meanwhile, on a, these other cases, earlier today, and you haven't heard any of this yet, Lindsey Graham uh, got into it, not quite as confrontational or aggressive as Ted Cruz, but close. And this is Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina and Judge Jackson going back and forth about the issue of sentencing for child pornography. Uh, listen, this is clip seven. We are going to treat a person who's distributed a thousand a lot worse because that shows that this person is really engaged in this really horrible behavior. In comes the Internet. On the Internet, with one click, you can receive, you can distribute tens of thousands. You can be doing this for 15 minutes, and all of a sudden, you are looking at 30, 40, 50 years in prison. Good. Cut. Good. I understand. Absolutely good. I hope you are. To do good. Allow her to finish, please. I hope you go to jail for 50 years. If you're on the Internet trolling for images please. of children and sexual exploitation. So, so you don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a that's horrible thing. That's not what the witness said, and she should be allowed to answer this question once and for all. Okay, and uh, they go on. Uh, that was Dick Durbin, the chair, interrupting. Uh, listen. When modes of commission of the crime change such that in two seconds someone can receive or distribute thousands of images, that's no longer a, and this is what the commission found in their studies, an indicator of a person who, relative to other people, has committed this crime in a more aggravated way. Well, and so I... what we're trying to do is be rational in our dealing with some of the most horrible kinds of behavior. This is what our justice system is about. It's about judges making determinations in meting out penalties to people who have done terrible things. It is not rational to take the venue of choice of child pornographers, the computer that have 85 million images on it and not consider that feeding the beast. We're trying to get people to stop this crap. So when you troll on the internet and you pull down thousands of images of children from the internet, I want you to stop that. I want people to go to jail who do that because you're feeding the beast Okay, again, in fairness, Senator Graham, we're not talking about people going to jail. Of course they should go to jail. It's a question for how long. And I believe that what she's trying to say, and I think said it in a comprehensible fashion, I hope, is that, look, today with the Internet, you don't have to be spending hours and hours and hours and going back and then getting another image and another image and another image as you used to. Now you can just press one button and you're flooded with them. And given the fact that the sentencing was supposed to be much higher for multiple images because of the idea that somebody would be then 
deeply invested in this entire process that the people who did that before the internet should have a far more excessive not excessive a far more intense and lengthy sentence than those after the fact complicated sure it's uh, justice we'll talk about it coming up Michael Medved show, uh, there's some speculation among the chattering classes, the uh, people who do commentary uh, for a living, and uh, they're specialists here, uh, and some people who've gained a great deal of fame and celebration as specialists who talk about Supreme Court nominations. There are two things that uh, I, I think are important to cover here, and for those of us who are struggling to understand what exactly is going on, uh, there, there are two questions. One is, given the fact that it is widely assumed that she will be confirmed, uh, she uh, has been confirmed by the Senate before in a bipartisan basis. When she was confirmed for her current position in the appellate court for the District of Columbia, what is often called the it's the triple A farm team for the Supreme Court because most Supreme Court appointments, and this has gone on for many years now, come from people who are on that appellate court, the appellate court for the District of Columbia. And uh, she is. She was confirmed for that position with a vote of all the Democrats in the U.S. Senate and uh, three of the Republicans, Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and uh, and Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Now, it appears that Lindsey Graham is unlikely to vote for her confirmation this time. And why on this issue of child predators and the length of sentencing that he's talking about? So the question becomes, even if Lindsey Graham votes no uh, on her confirmation, she would still be confirmed if there is uh, another Republican, and it could be Susan Collins, could be Lisa Murkowski, could be any number of people, frankly, who would still vote to confirm Katenji Brown-Jackson. And, and let me explain to you why. The idea that Joe Biden would come back and nominate someone more conservative than she appears to be is a pipe dream. Uh, she has given answers, and this again, she's criticized about this by, by Jeffrey Tubin and others on the left. She does not sound like a uh, crazy, committed person to the living Constitution theory, the idea that the Constitution has to change, that it grows and develops new <laughs> tentacles like starfish or octopuses, and it doesn't. Constitution is a document. And it has some pretty clear intentions, and there's a way to change it. And this is a point that was made by Senator John Kennedy uh, of Louisiana, who, by the way, I thought did an outstanding job 
in questioning Judge Jackson because he came across as both friendly, open-minded, fair, and uh, asked her fairly aggressive questions. And it was very clear in her answers to those questions that she agreed with John Kennedy that the Constitution meant what it said. She has never come close to embracing this idea of a living Constitution. Uh, by the way, we have um, uh, on MedVet History Store, I have a whole history program on the history of this claim about the living Constitution, how fraudulent it is, how this is not what the founders had in mind, and why this is one of the big lies behind some of the uh, liberal tendencies to use, use and misuse the Constitution uh, to say things that the Constitution never addressed. Uh, in any event, and, and you can get that and download it uh, and stream it uh, for free if you're a MedHead Plus member, which costs uh, 22 cents a day. Uh, really, that's all. Go to uh, MedVedHistoryStore.com. I believe the, the talk that I'm talking about, and this is a lecture that I gave on myths about the Constitution that need busting. Concerning uh, what it is the Republicans are trying to do right now, there is a, a lot of focus on Joe Manchin because Joe Manchin was one of those, uh, he was the only Democrat, I believe, who voted for any of the uh, three Trump appointees, all of whom were excellent appointees, excellent jurists, and deserved confirmation. But uh, would this debate about child porn, would that be enough to persuade Joe Manchin? No, I, I've got to keep it close to my constituents back home. I'm going to vote to turn down this nomination. Uh, that's doubtful. And partially it's doubtful because if you really do believe in an originalist interpretation of the Constitution, the idea that it's not a good thing to have justices make stuff up, uh, as some justices, including some justices who were appointed by Republicans, have done, uh, then uh, the idea that you're going to get a better selection than Katanji Brown-Jackson from the Biden administration, I think it's very unlikely. And uh, the... Uh, the idea then that what are you doing? Uh, you'll notice that most of the people who have been most aggressive have either run for president in the past, people like uh, Ted Cruz and like uh, Lindsey Graham. Remember, he ran for president in 2016. Or they are um, people who are talking about a presidential campaign like Josh Hawley of uh, Missouri. Uh, somebody not talking about a president campaign, presidential campaign, Marsha Blackburn, questioned Jackson about the differences between men and women. Uh, listen, this is clip one. Do you agree with Justice Ginsburg that there are physical differences between men and women that are enduring? Um, Senator... Respectfully, I am not familiar with that particular quote or case, okay. so it's hard for me to okay, comment but, as to whether. All or right, not. I'd love to get your your opinion on on that, and you can submit that. Do you interpret Justice Ginsburg's 
meaning of men and women as male and female. Again, because I don't know the case, <laughs> I don't know how I interpret it. I need to read the whole okay. thing. Uh, okay, and then this about the definition of a woman. Listen to this clip, too. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. no. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. Of okay. Uh, yeah, again, what is, why does she not give the obvious answer, say female of the species? Because she knows what's going to happen is that if she does that, then the question will be, what about somebody who has the biological equipment of a male and uh, yet insists that he or she, I'm, which is honestly something that may be involved in cases that will come up to the court, but... Um, and is it a reasonable thing to worry about the court redefining woman? Of course it is. They've come close to that in prior decisions when they took that decision of a, a funeral home in Michigan where uh, somebody lost his job because he, um, he redefined his own sexuality. He uh, transitioned. He had gender confirmation. I don't know if he had surgery or not and whether that should make a difference or not. So if uh, Senator Blackburn actually had asked these questions maybe a little bit more in context, explaining where she was going or trying to go, I think it might have been more effective and certainly more relevant than what you just heard, which was not one of the highlights of the hearings today. Uh, speaking of issues of uh, a gender and gender identification. Leah Thomas, the young man who now says he is a woman and has just set all kinds of records and won all kinds of championships for the NCAA swimming championship. He is praised today by a professor at Purdue who uh, also compares him, her, to Jackie Robinson. Really? And this is offensive, and it's going to be particularly offensive to black people. There's also uh, a, a, a new trend recognized by the New York Times of Latino voters moving toward the Republican Party. Why? We'll talk about that with yet another Harvard grad, Ruben Navarrete, Jr. Coming up...